Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And thank you for having joined us for the last two minutes. <laughs> no way. <laughs> All I got to say is... Look at what's happened to me. I can't believe in myself. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I found the greatest American hero on Amazon. Was was that Glenn Campbell? I don't know who sings this song, but I know we murdered it. Oh yeah, we killed it. In a good way and a bad way. All I know is I have just been having a, a great time on Amazon because as soon as I found the greatest American hero, lo and behold, I got to share with you the other shows that showed up on Amazon. Do you remember Auto Man? No. Remember he was like, there was, he had this little light ball. I think it was like named Cursor and it could make a car and then he could drive around. It was like a Lamborghini car. No. And it glowed. It was like Tron. It was like no, a version cool. of Tron for TV. And I'm like, ooh, the complete series for 1895 on DVD. <sighs> Might be buying that one. Might be buying that one. And then another show came up Street Hawk. Please tell me you remember Street Hawk. No. The motorcycle. No. You don't remember Street Hawk? I remember, like, Airwolf and Blue Thunder about the helicopters. How about Voyager? Yeah, I remember Voyager. Dude, Street Hawk. 
the man, the machine. I just remember like when How they would, missies? when they would hit super speed, the computer took over and all he had to do was hold on. And it would like this one time they're like, Oh, there's not a clear road in front of you. Cause it could go like, I don't know, 200 miles an hour. And so it would get him to the destination quicker. And so this one time they're like, Oh, there's too much traffic up ahead. And so he literally, he goes to split the lane, you know, like a motorcycle can do. He's like, how about now? Oh yeah. The computer says you're clean now. And so like, he's going 200 miles an hour in between cars. It was great. I never heard you of never that. never saw a street hawk? No, but what I don't understand, Pete, is how you don't own a motorcycle. That's enough to make you want a motorcycle so you could pretend you're a street hawk. I would. I was telling my wife this the other day. I go, if I had a motorcycle, I would so take every safety course there is. Yeah. Because we live in Southern California, and I think like Kirk Overstreet's crazy for riding a motorcycle in Southern Cal. Yeah, I've lost friends, man. It's my- crazy. Yeah, my brother's—he's head of a of a motorcycle club. Um, he, he rides all the time. He's still kicking, but uh, but he's also on the East Coast, isn't he? He's on the East Coast. And, Where's he uh, at on the East Coast? Uh, DC. Oh, see, that's that's pretty crowded out there too. That's yeah, crazy. yeah. He lives outside of DC. Works in DC. I um, but, uh, I also might have bought the Greatest American Hero T-shirt. It's what? a red shirt with the symbol on it. It looks like a carrot, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Now that I'm looking at it, Remember? I can see the carrot. Yeah. And when, when you go back and watch that old Bugs Bunny cartoon where Bugs Bunny is Super Rabbit. Remember mm, Super Rabbit? Absolutely. His costume has a carrot on his chest, much like the great American hero. Coincidence, I ask you? Ah. Oh. It like soothes my soul. Takes you back to that special place. It really does. That was back when mom and dad didn't, they thought that the devil was in the TV. Yeah. His costume was red. Red tight. So that that was the devil, Bobby Boucher. We just got done with an interview with uh, Will Mancini. And uh, I started out, before we started the interview, I'm like, I just found the greatest American hero on Amazon. No, what you did. And then you said, you you're like, oh, Will, you got to understand, we talk about all this stuff on our podcast. And Will's like, I don't think church planners today know about Greatest American Hero and Knight Rider and A-Team. And we're like, that's why we talk about it. Exactly. We are an educational program. We're like PBS. <laughs> Thank you, Train. Because we are user supported. <laughs> Absolutely. We kind of are, aren't we? Either that or like Ed Stetzer said, we're we're just two guys drinking beers in mom's basement talking about church planning. Could you like shut up and give us the money? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, church planner, if this is your first time listening to the church planner podcast and you're thinking, I thought I was going to hear about church planning. Well, you are eventually. Peyton, why don't you tell them what they're going to hear about on today's call? Today, we're going to talk about training your leadership team. I dig it. I dig and it. And we're not talking about uh, training, kind of like, you know, we, we've got, we've talked about training the core team on Jump School, uh, the movie, Jump School, the musical, <laughs> Jump School, the, uh, no, we've, Jump School is for your core team to be trained. But we're talking about your leaders, like your team of elders, call them what you will, your pastors. Uh, those of you that listen know that uh, we strongly subscribe to team leadership on this podcast. So it's not the Moses model, man at the top of the pyramid. It is you moving out as a brotherhood together, 
But there's always a team leader. There's always someone leading the team. There always will be. Even if you say, oh, no, no one leads a team. Somebody's going to be leading the team. It's just human nature. There's going to be an alpha male that's going to be leading the pack. And uh, if you remember, Paul in uh, Galatians mentioned that when he went to Jerusalem, he perceived that John, James, and uh, Peter were pillars. And so these guys, if you look at those three, they, James became the team leader of the apostles in Jerusalem. Um, John became the leader in Macedonia and, uh, Peter became kind of the, the go between, between the Jew and Gentile world. These guys headed off in three separate directions, but in Jerusalem, they just kind of stood out as leaders of leaders. So when Paul says, I perceive them to be pillars, there was, there was a, you, a leadership you, going on. You realize I just wanted the topic, right? Yeah, I, I do realize, but I, you know, I'm wetting their appetite. I'm just kind of, you know, it's like when the waitress comes to the table and she can either say, you know, we've got the uh, cheeseburger, bacon cheeseburger, or she can say, we've got the applewood smoked cheese with, with Gruyere cheese and, uh, you know, a toasted uh, brioche bun. That's what I just said. <laughs> with sweet, with crispy, aromatic rosemary sweet potato fries. That's what I just did. Oh, what's in the box? <laughs> hey, I, I, hey, uh, why, why didn't, why didn't he just go, hey, dude, don't open the box. That's your, that's your wife's head in there. I don't have a response to that. I don't he know just why. he just let him open the box like that was kind of cold, man. He he let him have the shock factor. So anyway, guys, um, back to our smack talk. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to comment on your T-shirt. Oh, you like that? I do. Peyton is wearing a T-shirt right now that has Jesus on it and a little uh, word bubble, right? As if Jesus is saying something, and it says, "Don't be a punk." <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like the best ever. <laughs> you never seen my 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 Coffee with Jesus t-shirt? No, that's the first time I've seen it. Oh, uh, this is from Coffee with Jesus, and I'm going to give a shout out. We've actually tried to get this guy on the uh, podcast before. He agreed to it, but he did not turn up. And uh, which, he, which we might add, happens a lot more than you might think. <laughs> <laughs> But I dig this dude. Um, I can't even remember his name. It was David something. And he uh, puts these comics together called Coffee with Jesus. If you're my friend on Facebook, you've seen these before because I frequently post them with glee. And it's got Jesus um, having coffee with people. It actually started, just a little back history on this. It started eight years ago during one of the elections <clears throat> where... Christians were going absolutely nuts. I know that you can't imagine that happening. You know, Christians become very sane during the time of election. Everybody's very balanced and objective and logical, but it started driving him nuts. So he, he was like, look, I can't hear people talking about these candidates anymore. Uh, you know, quoting the Bible and all that. So he goes, I'm going to make this satirical strip called Coffee with Jesus. And I'm going to have Jesus talking about this stuff with people. 
and it's it's hilarious. I and, don't uh, I don't believe that Christians go crazy. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh Day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? <laughs> Best clip ever. I think we, when we first watched that, we were laughing so hard we were crying. We were, I think it was because, uh, no, no, we had to show it to Jeff Vanderstelt at, uh, we were at Exponential <laughs> and we were talking to him about, I think it was David Achata, right? Yep. Yep. We we're like, hey, you got to see this clip, man. <laughs> Just, we were having a great time with it and it, it continued. was pretty good. And I, at, at, uh, Exponential, we run into a lot of Seventh day Adventists. You know, we need to get Jeff on the podcast. He he was really cool. We need to get him back. He might have listened to it, and he he may not. <laughs> no, I always forget. I always forget to talk to Jeff, and and I remember just. I, I think you meet Jeff, and you just like him. You know, he's just a very very lovable dude. So, yeah, man. So yeah, we had Will Mancini. It was funny when you mentioned. Uh, you know, uh, greatest American hero, you, you, you start off and you go, Oh man, the best news ever. Cause Will had to do something real quick. And so we're waiting. He gets back. You took a phone call, which was even funnier because he got off the phone. It was well, like, he was like, I just got the best news ever. And so I'm thinking, <laughs> Oh, what was on the call? <laughs> Must've been a good call. Cause you gave me good news this morning. It was pretty good. And then I'm thinking, Whoa, that, this is going to be really good news. And then you just go, Grey's American Heroes on YouTube. And I can watch all of them. <laughs> and Will's like, wow, that that's really a blast from the past. And that's where we're setting them straight. Hey, man, you know, Knight Rider. But what was funny is he lit up, man. We started listing off some shows. You know, he's he's our age. He must be. He must be. <laughs> I got I got everything shown up now on Amazon. I got six million dollar man, bionic woman. Ooh. Just the classics, oh, the greatest dude, just, shows ever. Guys, do yourself a favor. Just type into YouTube six million dollar man opening or intro. That's like the best intro ever. I wish you could play that right now. Oh, well, you know what? I don't think I can. <sighs> he was like the good Darth Vader. He was like a human cyborg made by the by the government. The six he cost six million dollars back then. That was which they should have bought like a hundred of them. No kidding, right? That was a lot of money back then. You said six million dollar man. That was like, you know, sorry, one million dollars. YouTube's got ads. What's up, dude? I don't like ads. Can you play it? I'm gonna see if I can. You gotta stall uh -huh. for me though, man. I gotta stall. You gotta stall for me because I, I gotta um, do some some magical hey, stuff Pete, with. Uh... Are you using PayPal? <laughs> 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 Oh, dude. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> They're so not signing up again. <laughs> um, why, yes, Peyton, I have been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder for my church. Ads over in 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, well, stop it right now. Pete, there's a better way. It's called MoGive. What? <laughs> yo, yo, doink, doink, doink. Wait, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this magical thing called MoGive. 
it's a cheap and easy online giving source where all of your people, I, I forget the rest, but all your people can go online and they can give through a cheap and easy online giving portal. We've been doing this commercial for like a year, year and a half. Hey, I'm on the other side of the table normally. I don't do this part of it. Oh my gosh, dude. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I need to look into this mogive.com. Would it be mogive.com forward slash church or is it some other crazy URL? You know, it would be. It's just that logical. Go to mogive.com. Now that's M O G I V. No E. Mogive.com forward slash church. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people's mogives have been showing up in my news feed. <laughs> I think they're tagging me in it. That's awesome. Oh, I just signed up to Mogive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Secret Tyler Pete Mitchell. Yeah, they're just kind of like, hey, uh, you know, I got MoGiv now. If you guys want to give online, uh, here you go. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Who says that leaders do not whore themselves after money? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see if we can. I don't know if this will work, so let's see if this works. I don't hear anything. Starring Lee Majors. Wow! I've got a blowout. Paper three. Steve Austin. Better, faster, stronger. Oh, I said it wrong, but oh man, when we were kids, like I don't care what was going on. You heard that as a kid, you'd be playing around, you'd stop. And you I love how do you make a guy appear on TV to be super speed? You show him in slow mo. And don't forget, they did a spinoff show called. Bionic Woman. Oh, yes, they did. That was Jamie Summers, his fiance, who after her accident could not remember him. <laughs> <laughs> remember, they had the robot women in it too. Remember? They had like machine women. And Do their you faces remember the, the Sasquatch episode that was yes. Bionic? Best ever. In fact, Universal Studios had uh, the Sasquatch cave it used to go through. It was the was ice that, cave. Was that? I thought that was uh, Battlestar. That was the ice. Yes, but before that. See, I'm older than you. I remember before they made that Battlestar Galactica, that was the $6 million man cave. Hey, wow. did you see what I just did yeah, there? Yeah, I know. You did. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did not know that. 
Kind of makes me yeah. want to go back to Universal Studios. Next time you go through it. So if you watch it, if you watch that episode, because remember, he's in that cave, right? Yeah. And that's what happens. That's the, And it's so obvious. Like, it's super cheesy when you go back on. You're like, oh, yeah, that's Universal Do you remember Studios. What was Steve Austin's, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, his kryptonite? What would make his bionics not work? Oh, shoot. Oh, you got me there. It was the cold. Oh, I was going to say water. It was cold, was it? It was the cold. It was like, yeah, it was water. He's not waterproof. He can't walk around in the rain. (laughs) I mean, don't fall in a pool. You're toast. No, No, it was the cold. Like his is the first computers ever that don't function well in cold. It needs to be hot, apparently. But uh, because there was an episode where they went to the moon and uh, like they had like he was he was half frozen. So he couldn't use his bionic arm because it was like arthritic, (laughs) I guess, for the cold. And they had to like get his arms up where they had a uh, they had a pole that was in direct line of the sun or they might have set up some mirrors. So the sun was heating the pole. And so if he could get his arms up. Oh, wow. Then it would warm up and then he could break the pole. See what happened to television, man. So I have been watching um, Stranger Things. You know, I'm only about two or three episodes in. You know what's really cool about that show? It's not just a show that takes place in the 80s. It's an 80s show. Like, it's actually the 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 music of the 80s. There's so many nods to all the things. we The Thing by John Carpenter. Um, obviously E.T., anything Spielberg did back then, it's all in there, See, man. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think my big problem is, is I've been trying to watch it while doing other things. And I think oh, no, it no, needs no. more of my attention. Oh, that that's a show that deserves your eyeballs. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. It, it's, it's a masterpiece. Is and it really? Have you watched the whole thing? The whole season? I have. And, uh, you know, Anna and I were talking. Is it the afterwards. type of a show that can have a second season? Or is it like oh, they concluded yeah. everything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It could totally have a second season. And, you know, everybody that, that I've been hearing is talking about it being aliens. I don't think it's aliens. Oh, so they don't they don't resolve it at the end. You, I think they do. But I'm just amazed that people are, are calling it a show about aliens. It's not aliens, people. You know, here's the thing. I thought it was, I, I couldn't tell. There was a movie a few years back and it was like called strange things or something like that. And it was like, took place in the eighties and had, and what looked like the same type of creature is in this one. Ah, see, but here's the thing, Pete, I couldn't tell if stranger things, but I couldn't tell if it was like related to it. Like I I was like, I couldn't figure it out. I'll go back and check out. But you know, remember how we talk about if a guy has, you know, the church planning toolkit, we're going to do the ultimate church planning toolkit. Yes. Um, the, uh, the, the, this is strange er things. Wow. And they've, then, and then I guess they've you blown know, you everyone come away up, with that. Yeah. You could come out with strangest things. You'd have to, <laughs> or the complete strange thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're about 20 minutes in. We should actually, uh, get into our topic because you've been getting, uh, People's comments about Smack Talk going a little bit too long. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I we, haven't. Uh, what? I haven't. In hey, fact, man, I could talk like this all stinking day. Like, this is just how we talk. That's what people don't realize. They, we, we come on here. We're just screwing around. This is just what we do. I got I got to share a, a conversation with you. I wish I had the, the conversation up here on my computer because I had it Which on Which means Facebook. Smack Talk's about to go on for 10 more minutes. It is. It is. <laughs> 
So uh, there's a church planner in Lakewood who I'm Facebook friends with. And he asked me, uh, he asked a, a bunch of people if they wanted to go see uh, Jason Bourne last Saturday at the, mm. the movies. So I got the, the Facebook invite, right? And But I didn't know what movie it was. I just got an invite that it was a movie invite and uh, and that kind of a thing. And so I was like, hey, you know, what, what's the movie? Oh, we're going to go see Jason Bourne at 7 o'clock at the, uh, the new, uh, I think it's called Harkins Theater there in Cerritos. Brand new theater that just opened up. One of these theaters that has the reclining chairs, um, you know, huge, spacious leather chairs, gorgeous theater, brand new. And so... I message back. I go, Hey, um, you know, if, uh, if you use their bar there, they let you take two beers into the movie theater with you. (laughs) And so it was like 12 hours before he responded back. And he goes, I can't tell if you're saying that that's a bad thing or a good thing. Uh, but just know that, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're just a bunch of uh, brothers want to hang out and, and, uh, but if you, you want the apologetic, if you want to have a beer, man, there's no judgment from us. There's no judgment from us. <laughs> and so I message back. I'm like, Oh, I think the last thing I'm worried about is what people think about me. I'm saying this is a good thing. You know, you can have two beers and take them into the movie with you. One in each hand. Yes. And as I pointed out to the, uh, the, uh, uh, the bar staff, Hey, well, my wife's with me. She can have two beers too, right? <laughs> and they go, "Yes, that is true." <laughs> true. Well, who's gonna Who's gonna hold the popcorn? That's why you uh, need kids, man. What, what do you need popcorn for? <laughs> well, I got beer. Yeah, you know, not that I'm allowed to uh, partake of such adult beverages, but uh, but popcorn and beer might just be a thing. I don't, you know, here's the thing. That doesn't sound like a good combo to me. Like that literally sounds to me like, wow, that's going to be some major heartburn. <laughs> like, mm, I know that's not a good combo. I, I just can't imagine that being a good combo. <laughs> yes. Um, tell you what I liked at the theater. Have you ever had zebra popcorn? What is it? Is that it's like-, like chocolate swirls mixed throughout your popcorn. You know, like I don't think I've popcorn. gone to that fancy of a of a theater before. Dude, I'm telling you, they have it at that theater. It costs like $12 when you buy it at that. I know the theaters that you're talking about. I know that chain. Right, sure. It's like 12 bucks. Don't get it there. Go to um, Office Depot sells it. <laughs> <laughs> it's about $2 there. But here's the real question. Do they let you pay with MoGiv? Uh, they would not. I don't know then. I just don't know. Would the movie theater let you pay with MoGib? They should. I don't think they're a nonprofit though, so perhaps. Yeah. Well, hey, um, let's get into our topic. Uh, Yes, uh, Sir Peyton. Um, And again, what is today's topic? (laughs) That was funny. Um, So the topic is how to develop your leaders. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> so, guys, we've we've talked around some of these issues, but I mean, you know, what do we? We're close to two hundred, right? Yes, actually, I think we're one ninety one with this episode. That's crazy. So, after doing you know one hundred ninety shows, there's not a lot of topics we haven't touched on. I mean, we've we even did one on. Uh, setting up a 501c3 
you know, uh, take a little. Uh, our second most downloaded podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, it was a scorcher. Uh, but you know, we, we have done so many different ones. We should so do I'm, We should do an episode on what our favorite episodes were. Well, number 200, we got plans. We got to start. I'm telling you right now, my favorite episode is still number 50. Which one is that? Oh, the one where we talked about what we liked With from the previous number 50 one? is the one about it being number 50. <laughs> <laughs> like that was the title. I think the whole thing was smack talking. It us was laughing about stuff. Yeah, behind the scenes or just kind of, you know, what's happened on the Because you gave me a great two-minute clip on this very podcast (laughs) (laughs) that you said I couldn't play on this episode, but I could play on the bloopers, which apparently is going to be episode 200. I told you the blooper reel would be fine, but I was too embarrassed, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know, because if i'm not doing it and i don't gotta think about it and it's mixed in with a lot of other crap that's cool <laughs> you said mixed in with a lot you of other crap you can't <laughs> lead into a podcast with that at all i actually thought it would have been the greatest lead-in ever <laughs> then uh maybe you should lead into the 200th episode with it but not i don't know man it i just, don't know what it, the difference is i don't know why all I of a sudden got shy that's all i just got shy people it have happens. no idea what we're talking about but no it's all right you'll find out so uh if you're still with us by then by episode 200 so let's go into the training of leaders so there's uh i was gonna say we've touched on this because when i look at training leaders um First thing that I want to talk about is is leading a team. So if we're talking, you know, about church leadership structure, for me, you know, I, I might be a little old fashioned, but you know, I like the Bible, and I think the Bible's kind of helpful, you know, when it comes to these topics. And uh, so for me, when I, when I look at structuring leadership, I see great wisdom in how the early church set up uh, almost like a two-tiered leadership uh, structure where, you know, bear in mind, this wasn't like an authoritative, authoritarian uh, system, a hierarchical structure. We're talking servant leaders and, you know, so much so that, that when, you know, I was just talking with um, a group that's doing team leadership and it came up in the topic of conversation. If you're on a team leadership, and, and you have money to pay somebody, how do you decide who gets paid? And my answer for that has always been um, the guy who sacrifices the most. Hmm. So if, if you leave your nets, you know, like, so for, for example, Charlie and I planted Refuge Long Beach together. And we were, you know, normally I would say like in the, in the case of my first church plant, I didn't take money for years. And I think that's good. But when we came into Refuge Long Beach, I mean, really, we had such a low overhead cost, and I knew I was getting out of there in a year. So I set myself apart to develop leaders who could either, A, go out and plant churches, or B, replace myself. And so Charlie and I had a chat, and we're like, look, we're a team leadership. Who's going to get paid here? You know, it's not going to be a full-time salary, but it's going to be something small. And Charlie was like, look, man, I got a high-paying engineer job here. And what the church could supplement me with is not enough. And, and, and what was kind of cool was Charlie, you know, he just looked at me and said, look, man, somehow you're able to live on a lot less. I don't know how you guys do it, but you're able to live on a lot less than, um, than, than most people I know. So, uh, here you go. 
um, you know, I'm, I'm totally cool. You know, you're making the, the sacrifice here to have a much lower income, which you do. You know, if you, if you choose to, to get, uh, you know, supported part time, I was working by vocation. I was teaching church planning online. I was making money that way. And, uh, <clears throat> but, but my deal is that, um, a lot of these things about training leaders, um, we're a team leadership. And so for me, it's always been a servant leadership. And so when you talk about a team leader, that team leader doesn't have any more authority than anyone else. You're a team of elders, which means that you are a team of equals. We always say that Jesus is the senior pastor. We don't vote. We pray through solutions. If we're made up of those five roles, apostle, evangelist, teacher, shepherd, um, uh, you know, uh, prophet, we tend to share what we're feeling, acknowledging that God has probably put different burdens on our heart. And then we pray until we see a solution for how those things work together. Sometimes somebody says, well, this is just my preference or my opinion. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally different on this. Other times people, you know, will say, so for me, that happens a lot where I'll be apostolically. I know my own blind spots and my weaknesses. I don't insist I'm an apostle and I see it this way and you have to incorporate this. Sometimes you just let it go because you think, well, this is part of my makeup, how I'm seeing it. But what we're always seeking is what's Jesus's uh, direction on this. And sometimes we're looking for the voice of God in the middle of the tension that's created by us having different makeups. But no one on that team has any more authority than anyone else on the team. And the reason that's important is when we talk about a team leader, we're not saying the boss. It's not your typical model of, um, uh, you know, your, um, your, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the team leader. Therefore, you must do what I say. You're my helpers, my deputies, and I'm the sheriff, right? Um, you watch the jail cell and I'll stroll around town and do all the cool stuff. What a team leader does is he pours into the rest of the team. He serves the team. And so he, he makes probably greater sacrifices. Um, it doesn't mean he has to do everything, but, um, he coordinates the team. So if I'm on a team with a shepherd, um, I might say to the team, Hey, will you, uh, do this funeral? Will you do? Cause, you know, a, a lot of times I like to do funerals, but, you know, um, cause they're very evangelistic, but, but we coordinate and I might direct the team. But really what I'm doing is I'm taking on the responsibility for the team's development. So I'm, I'm making sure that we're seeking the Lord. Prophet keeps me accountable in that. Um, I'm making sure that, uh, these guys are getting poured into. I'm looking at their weak spots. Um, I might see, for example, and, and a lot of times in church plant, the apostolic guy is the team leader. Um, not always, but often. If there's an apostle on your team, chances are he's going to be the team leader, <clears throat> but not necessarily. Could be a shepherd is leading, could be a teacher is leading, could be the apostles there um, to keep the church focused outward. But um, but all that to say, um, what all that was a, a preamble to get you to where I'm at. Let me just tell you a story. So Refuge Long Beach, when, when I first came into Refuge Long Beach, um, I knew I would only be there for a year. 
And I'm, I'm saying that because I was there much more in a year. But when my sinning church said, hey, would you help us plant in Long Beach? I said, sure, you know, but only for a year because I'm living in San Diego County and you guys are L.A. County. So it was a bit like Paul uh, when he was in Thessalonica. When Paul went to Thessalonica, he got driven out by the circumcision group, which meant as he moved on to the other town, um, he was really feeding into those guys and keeping contact. But he had to leave Thessalonica. He left Timothy and the other guys there. And so as they were there, they were doing the ministry. And that was primarily Refuge Long Beach's model. Um, it was team leadership that reflected in the pulpit. It reflected in everyone knew I was the leader, but everybody enjoyed the leadership of a team that was leading them. And I had guys that I was developing. We had Jimbo, we had Mike, we had Ruben. And even though I would say Charlie was more like a, um, a uh, Barnabas than he was a Timothy. In other words, he was someone that was my, um, he was, he was kind of like a, uh, in experience, maybe not in church planning and equal, but he had been a pastor for years. And so he was someone that, that I could kind of link arms with. And so he was on that eldership team. The guys under us were, and I say under us, not, not in the sense of any kind of authoritative way, but the guys we were discipling, right? The guys that, that were kind of like, you know, like a rabbi and a, and a, and a, and a, and a disciple. We would pour into them. Um, those were the guys that, that we kicked, kicked down our, uh, experiences, our wisdom, we came alongside them and we poured into them. And uh, so that that's it, man. We um, we poured into them. Now, Pete, I know I'm not giving you any room to speak here. I just want to kind of lay that down. Um, are there any thoughts at this point that you're having on this or any insights that you want to share? Because I need to come up for, for air. I could keep talking. I should I you. know you can keep talking, and uh, no, I got nothing, man. <laughs> I don't know if you're laying down the groundwork or you're going into a five-part sermon, but uh, I can't figure it out. Just jump in. Jump in when, you, when you're feeling it. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> you're really totally leaning back in your chair. I'll just get comfortable here. Pretty much. So, um, so here's the deal. Um, so we had these guys and, you know, th there were things that needed to be done to develop them. And, and when you look at Jesus and how he trained the 12, um, there were three elements. Number one, there was time he spent with them. So I was traveling back and forth. Um, I was having dinner with the guys. I was, you know, obviously I was meeting them for cogs, helping them launch their cogs, which meant, you know, I would, uh, I would have uh, dinner with them. So at one time I was having dinner with four different dudes a week. Um, I was meeting with the team on Sundays and kind of showing them how to do a spirit led team leadership. Um, you know, where really Jesus is the senior pastor. And then as we were, um, as we were meeting, you know, that was time. Um, I was trying to get involved in their lives. You know, I was on the phone nonstop. I was as bad as a junior high girl. You know, just constantly, what are you wearing? What are you doing? This boy is dreamy. I remember um, Charlie being very uncomfortable with your term. We have a bromance. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Because uh, one of our, one of our, uh, it was Ruben's sister, Melissa. She, um, she posted 
and tagged us in it. It was number one bromance, and it was Batman, Batman and Robin Is that holding what it was? hands. <laughs> and it said number one bromance, and Charlie was like, "I don't know about that." But I'm like, come on, man. We're talking We're talking on the phone all the time. I think I talk to Charlie almost every day at that point. And, and that's one of the things that you're doing is you're really building friendships in, in relationship. You know, people call it life on life or, you know, I don't care what you call it. Let's but you- do life together. I hate <laughs> that term. It yeah, sounds so, it, it, well, I was going to say something derogatory. It sounds not cool to me. Yeah, it, it does. And, and it sounds kind of, you know, there's a lot of things right now going around in, in Christian circles that are just catchphrases. And here's what I notice in communities where they talk about doing life together. Um, when they make it like their big deal, if it, it either just happens organically in a relaxed way and it's beautiful or someone's read a book and they now mandate this will happen. Hey, I noticed you weren't at our gathering last night. You haven't been to the last few gatherings. Come on, man. We're supposed to do life together. That's just creepy, right? That's that's like a, you know, Christian fascism, man. You will come, you know. You will be at the town meeting. I remember my buddy talking about how when he was he was Burmese and he, he, he lived in a village. His dad was a chief. And uh, so he goes, so the chief has to be the pastor. He goes, so you have to go to church because a chief mandates you go to church. And he goes, and there's a fine for not going to church. You know, a guy comes through a little town herald through the village. Church meeting tonight, seven. You're not be there. You lose chicken. You know, and if it's a, if it's a big meeting, you might lose like something bigger than a chicken, which isn't cool. You lose your goat. I'm not making this up. I would just like to <laughs> walk away from that one. Settle down, Beavis. <sighs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so sometimes you know that's that's how it gets. What I'm saying is, you're you're pouring into these guys. You're letting them know that you care. And um, still, I don't always like. I would say Bonomo and I don't talk as much uh, as I would like to, or as he would like to. He's a fantastic brother. And, um, Ruben, I, I try to talk to him about once a month, uh, once a week <laughs> might end up being <laughs> once a month. And, um, Charlie, I talk to probably once a month. Um, Langham depends. I have seasons with Langham. Um, Jimbo, I never talk to at all anymore, but, uh, maybe once, twice a year. But these were guys that, that I really poured into. And, and so here's, here's the deal. The other part is teaching. Uh, you know, you got to teach them. And so, you know, there's some of the, the teaching that I did with them was I, I got them together and I tried to develop them theologically. And that's important because if they're going to, uh, if they're going to be pouring into others, they're going to have to know their Bible. They're going to be hit with a lot of questions. They're going to be hit with dilemmas, judgment calls, um, all those things. And so, it wasn't necessarily straightforward theology, but I really felt that they needed a theological foundation. Mm-hmm. I taught them about church planning in a series, and we meet every Thursday afternoon. I can't remember what the time was. I think it was like Thursdays from like 3 to 6 or something like that. Um, but we start off, we went through uh, a book I can't recommend enough by Packard, uh, J.I. Packer, called Knowing God. 
That's like a seminary education in a book. Absolutely spirit-filled. We went through that chapter by chapter, and we talked that thing over, right? Um, and it was it was good. If you've never read that, definitely get it audio if you're not a reader. But um, you could do worse things and take your team through that. I would take them today if I did it through gospel-centered life. Um, we started taking our cogs through that. I would take every core team through that. But this is your leaders now. You have a responsibility to develop them. And so what you're going to do is you're going to increase their knowledge and their ability to apply the Word of God to situations. They learn all about church planning. What was funny is by the time we got to the church planning, they were like, man, I've been living this. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand the reason why we were doing this stuff. And so I use a lot of my New Testament application, you know, of, of the book of Acts to modern day and things like that. And, um, and then the third aspect was, um, uh, mission. So what, what I say is it's kind of like time, teaching and training. So, you know, you could say tactics, you could say training, but it's the three T's of discipleship. Um, and the, the, the third T is training. It's, it's getting them out there. It's getting their hands to the plow. It's letting them put put their their hands on ministry. It's it's leading them. You know, we we had the guys in exorcisms at times. There were times we prayed for people to be healed, and I'd always grab those guys. You know, kind of like Jesus did. Like you need to be here. You need to see this. You need to be a part of this. You can't. Um, you know, you can't just never experience this stuff. And there's always a risk in that, you know? So like the, the, the exorcism stuff, um, you know, I don't know that, that I, I, I think a handful of them could handle the exorcism now, but you know, there's one or two of them where they, they would not, they would not be comfortable doing it and that's okay. You know, but you have to take them out kind of like the disciples. Jesus took those guys out and there were times they just didn't have the confidence to do these things. And so you've got to repeatedly expose them to it. And then Jesus raised the bar and said, you know, you're going to do greater things than these when I'm gone. And, you know, uh, they, they, need, they need to know that, that there's going to be a time you're going to stand on your own. And you're going to need to train other people. I think the, the greatest breakdown that we have is in the training of leaders where we don't actually get them out on the streets. So that was a big deal. We had to get them out on the streets. Um, we had to have them trained in the field. We can't just put guys in a classroom and do theology. In fact, the only reason I was happy taking them in reading Packer was because of the crap that they were doing on Sundays and different times of the week because there was even a time on that those Thursday sessions where I made them get outside again and use that stuff. Hmm. You got nothing. I got nothing, man. I'm just listening. <laughs> well, Hey man, you know, um, I want to give you opportunity to, to, to chat. I don't know that I got any comments or, or questions on it. I mean, I guess maybe the only question I do have is how would you say this is different than core team training? So <clears throat> your core team is going to be everybody. That's going to be your deacons. Um, that's going to be your, so, so the deacons, right? They're, they're like, um, the term just means servant, 
right? And so they're serving the body in some way, shape, or form. I don't, I don't care if you want to say that they're, um, you know, heads of, of different ministries. They don't have to be. I mean, the deacons in, in the New Testament context were, and, and this is what I saw these guys at, yes, they were deacons. They were not um, elders. So this was our leadership team. I would call our core team um, anyone who is coming with us to launch. And th- this is maybe helpful, Pete, for you to bring that up because there's a lot of disagreement on these terms. So, for example, some people would see core team as the leadership. I don't. They would say core team is the the group that's going to stick. Okay, so that's one definition. Core team is the leaders that are planting. Um, everyone else is just along for the ride. I don't agree with that definition. Um, the, and I'll tell you why in a minute. The second definition of, of this term is the core team are the people that are going to stay with you. And the launch team are the people that came to help you launch, do the big launch on the day, and they're going to take off. Maybe the mothership loaned them to you for a while, and then boom, they're gone. I never accept that. I would not take a launch team. To me, that is so counterintuitive and counterproductive. Um, what I would take is I would take people functioning in more of the apostolic model, but not not to launch a church service, maybe to carry out the functions of New Testament leadership in Ephesians 4, like we see in the book of Acts, but not to launch a church service. I just, that that to me is so weird. Um, so the idea that there's a core team and launch team, I mean, guys like um, Nelson Searcy would hold, hold to this. And um, he would say that, you know, so don't worry about it. If you make your launch team mad, they're not going to be here very long anyways, that kind of thing. For me, nobody's expendable. I see everybody as interchangeable in one sense, because I'm going to multiply, but at the same time, when they're with me, I'm going to I'm going to take the best care of them I can. And I'm I'm going to pour into them. So when I say core team, I literally mean everybody who's with us at that moment, planting the church in whatever capacity. Leaders, yes. Leaders, no. Um, staying, going doesn't matter. If you're with me right now, as I'm planting this church, you're my core team. And I, I just, I don't make a distinction um, because I think we're all planting this church together. And so it's my responsibility to train you to make sure, I mean, we just got off a call with Will Mancini. So it's kind of like I'm training you, but I'm also pouring into you. And here's kind of the other thing, guys. What will often happen in your small groups is leaders will emerge. So let's say like you're doing a, uh, a bunch of house groups um, in, in your church plant. Um, leadership is going to emerge there probably before anywhere else. That's where you're going to start really seeing people because what those groups are really is discipleship groups. As you're discipling those people, again, you're teaching them, you're doing uh, life together, as Pete likes to call it, and <laughs> time teaching and training. And the training comes when you make those cogs missional. And there's a way to do that either by going to public spaces or you do what Steve Timmis did, where you do what's called crazy eights and you start breaking them up and telling people the only way these grow. And we did this in Refuge Long Beach for a time. Totally worked. I remember a time, it wasn't Rick Warren, but I remember a time at one phase where my core team, I mean, my uh, 
my cog, which we call communities of grace. We call them cogs. Those are our, our house groups. Our house group was hardly anyone who attended on a Sunday and really? almost all lost people. Yeah, it was when we were meeting at the Rampies. And that was just super cool. And to me, that's, that's preferable. So as you're, as you're doing these things, so that became a missional cog, right? Um, then, then you're training people. So our people that were in that cog got the opportunity to share the gospel because it was all discussion and people were sharing the gospel. And so what happens when you're doing those three things is you're discipling people. They will change. They will become leaders. Many of them will become leaders. And there, sometimes there are people that have sat in a church 10, 20, maybe 30 years. Nobody ever poured into them. And so they, their gifts lay stagnant, dormant, and their leadership never emerged. Hmm. So those, those are the things that, that I do. And that's kind of what it looks like. So again, you know, I led small groups with them so that I could train them. I ate dinner with them or I spent a lot of time on the phone. That was time. And I taught them outside of those groups once a week and poured into them for hours, you know, by teaching them and discussing things with them. So they'd be equipped. Those three things. And that's, that's how you develop a leader. And then of course, there's character stuff. You know, when you're spending time together, this is in another category. This is part of the time category. That's where the character comes and gets developed. So when you spend time with someone, um, your character is going to speak to their character and vice versa. It's a two-way street. Um, when you are teaching them, um, you know, you're, you're developing the gospel in them. And then when you are uh, taking them out training, um, you're, you're developing them to minister and that all that stuff is, it's important. I dig it, man. I dig it. So let me ask you, um, who should be doing, uh, is, is, how do I ask this question? Is it just the team leader? Like you're talking about, this is, this is <clears throat> team leadership church, but there's still a team leader. Is it just that person or could it be, you know, like you had Charlie, you said, and yeah. the two of you. Yeah. What, what's your, really awesome your about little this. Romance. Yeah. No. So what's really cool is, yeah. So if you've got a team of elders, you put them on, uh, almost like, a uh, their speciality. So for example, um, Langham, when Langham came in, um, we told Langham, Hey, can you get all of these guys ready for the pulpit? Cause you know, Chris Langham does through the word, um, dot org. Uh, he is one of the best Bible teachers on the planet. So that's a fantastic question because really for me, and particularly as I was phasing out, that was my key thing was get these guys ready for the pulpit. And I was just sitting with someone the other day who said those courses that he taught. So he took the Thursday model. I think he taught them on Saturday morning or Friday night. They were just saying those were amazing. I, I still go back and listen to those is he just trained them for like 12 weeks, how to exposit, how to teach, how to communicate from the pulpit. And Chris is just, he's just an A1 rock star when it comes to preaching. And um, so we had him develop them. So yeah. And if you've got a prophetic guy, you, you have that guy disciple people in the gifts. In fact, we would have our prophetic guys. We, we didn't have anyone, on our elder team who's prophetic, but we had, we had a guy 
who, um, you know, at times we would say, you know, can you visit, you know, he, he had the prophetic um, kind of gifts in him. And we said, would you visit around uh, the various groups, the various house groups? And whenever he was there, he would encourage the gifts and people would step out in gifts. I'll never forget Jimbo saying, man, when Mike's there and he asked for Mike, he said, can I have Mike for a while? Because that dude has really helped us. You know, he's brought a, a, a dynamic to our group, which we didn't have before. And of course, that's what a prophetic leader does. So yeah, man, that's a, that's a fantastic question. You definitely should have everybody kind of, uh, you know, leading in their speciality and developing the rest of the team. And I tend to think the elders develop the deacons and the team leader develops a team of leaders. You know, let me ask you about that then, because I know that at Refuge Long Beach, you didn't have a lot of elders. Mm -mm. So what do you do? I mean, if the elders are developing the deacons and you're basically all deacons, maybe, you know, two elders, you and Charlie, I mean. Yeah. Well, and so what happened with that was when it started, it was Charlie and I. And, um, and, and so for me, I started with the two by two model and sometimes you got to do that. So ideally, man, if, if I hadn't just gotten off the boat from America and I had some time, um, I could have started with more because you collect, uh, people as you go and you collect leaders as you go. Um, and, and particularly if I had been in the LA area, the network aspect. So I'm in San Diego right now. And although I've, I've never planted a church in San Diego, when I started this thing called the train station, um, we formed a really strong network. So I'm talking with planners on a regular basis who were saying, oh, I met with so-and-so the other day. So there is a strong network in San Diego of church planners that I was able to train up. And they're all buddies and they all talk and they help each other. One church planner recently just gave another church planner money. You know, he's like, hey, man, our church, we don't have any paid leadership. We give all that money back to the community. So he's like, hey, man, you know, the, this other church planner is struggling a bit. And he goes, here's a thousand dollars, you know, boom, to, to help you get through this month. And uh, so all that to say, um, when you when you only have a couple, you build and you you just keep training, you train up. So Mike Bonomo is on the elders team now and he's a shepherd so uh technically i'm still on it although i've completely stepped away they still reference me they still include me on emails they still ask for my input which is fair because paul stayed connected to his churches but um i'm not really a presence i'll show up from time to time um i'll do stuff up I'll, I'll look at it and say hey, i think you guys ought to do this and that but um uh, the reality is for uh, Bonomo, so Bonomo is now added to that. So now there's an apostolic, a teacher, and a shepherd. So the the two, and, and Bonomo is kind of a, he's a double-barrel shotgun. He's evangelist slash shepherd. That dude will like go into 7-Eleven for a Coke and stand outside witnessing to a guy for an hour, you know. And But he'll do it as a shepherd does. He'll get into the guy's problems and talk with him and cry with him and pray with him and you know, lead the guy to Jesus. And, you know, that's, that's who Bonomo is. Yeah. Interesting, man. I dig it. Yeah. So that's it. That's just the way I do it. I'm not saying that's the way you guys need to do it, but uh, hopefully I've given you some food for thought. And um, just so you know, 
you should be tracking how you are going to train leaders. If you don't have a plan in place, um, the guy I'm working with, Mac Lake, he calls it leadership pipeline. And, um, he, tra- he trains that. He's got a course starting up in October. I'm not advertising. I'm just saying, um, I'm going to be going along to that. I'm fascinated. That's his passion. And, you know, he is such an incredible developer of leaders. Um, you know, one of the things he's taught me that I would probably incorporate next is asking people, what are your goals? What do you think God is telling you? Where, where do you think God wants you, you know, to, to develop and, and asking other people and then working with them on those things? You know, that, that's one of the things I've never really, I just kind of tell them, Hey, this is, this is where I see you need to develop. And, uh, Max kind of turned that around a bit. And I've, I've been thinking about that. Hmm. So I'm still learning, man. Well, I dig it, man. I dig it. Um, you know, with all of this leadership talk and stuff, um, what do you do if you don't have anyone who's like a math pastor on your leadership staff? Well, luckily, Pete, I am a math pastor. What? Yeah, and and I train. I mentioned three, uh, you know, three T's. There's actually a fourth hidden T called the ticks, short for arithmetics. And, uh, you know, I, I like to train guys in math all the time so that they can be good accountants and be responsible to church finances. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. <laughs> I made that up and I'm totally lying. Um, I suck at math. And one of the benefits of using someone like Simplify Church. Wait, wait. Simplify, What's oh, it called? Simplify Church. Dot com. And they will free you up like the apostles said. They will say to you, we must not do the church finances. We must give ourselves to the word of God and prayer. Give that job to a deacon or (laughs) give it to simplifychurch.com. What is thy bidding, my master? Well, take yourself over to simplifychurch.com and keep yourself out of jail. Yes, my master. <laughs> love it. This is so fun. <laughs> I knew Darth it. Vader was going to be obeying me. I would command him to go and strike down my dark pupil, all those that are doing their own accounting. You should not have come back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, hey, guys, this has been the Church Planter Podcast. And this has been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones reminding you. If you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I fall and I can't get up. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.